Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. Some of God's most beautiful miracles and greatest work is especially evident in the aftermath of our darkest and most painful experiences. After the dark days of the crucifixion of Jesus, light breaks forth in His resurrection. After hurt is healing, after brokenness is mending, after death is life. Through this series, we are learning to pay attention to how God is moving and growing our faith in and for the aftermath. I love it when Laura gets so into a song that she can't sing anymore. As much as I love her voice, as much as I love it when she sings, I love that we get led by people that are just authentic and are just worshiping. See, they, they're not up here to perform for you. They're up here to worship with you and worship in honor and glory to our God. And when Laura gets to that point where she just can't sing anymore, that's my favorite part. All she knows how to do is give. She just starts screaming. And you know, that's biblical, like that shout of praise thing. There it is. That's exactly what it is. Well, good morning, church. Uh, Thank you for being here to worship with us. I know that it's still strange, but as we are continuing to allow people in the building, we're grateful that you're here. For everybody who is watching online with us, we are so grateful that you are allowing us into your life and praying that God does something powerful through this time of worship together. Go ahead and grab your Bible, if you will. Go to... Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 3 pretty much for the majority of our time together this morning. We are in the 12th week of the aftermath. Literally. Come on, somebody. It's interesting that when we started this year, do you remember? We started this year with a series called Courageous. We had no idea what would be happening. And, and for the first time ever, we started a series with, with an indefinite end. We just said we were going to talk about that topic until God said to stop. And it was timely, amen. All those people that did those 2020 vision series, y'all didn't see this coming, did you? <laughs> and then we had planned to start this series on Palm Sunday. And it was supposed to be three weeks, the aftermath rooted in the reality that in the aftermath, God does his greatest work. Because it was through the lens of the Easter season that in the aftermath of the cross was the empty tomb. And that is where God displays most that God does his best work in the aftermath. In the aftermath of our most painful moments, God has the opportunity to do his greatest miracles. And as this season has lingered, so has this series. And we've been learning a lot about what the aftermath brings. And it seems like week to week, there's something new that brings a new level of aftermath, amen? It seems like every Sunday, we're in the aftermath of something new in our country or in our world. I mean, it's not just the aftermath of COVID, it's the aftermath of all the other things that are happening in our culture. And and I, I, like you, am trying to process and and figure out how to navigate these things in a way that, that honors God and loves people and reflects Jesus and all that I do and all that I say and all that I post. But I've been learning a lot about this aftermath season and we've talked about it, that in the aftermath, there's a greater need for community. In the aftermath, there's a greater demand of generosity. Last week, we talked about in the aftermath, there's a greater threat to unity. 
there's something else that I'm learning that in the aftermath of uncertainty, there's a loss of security. That in the aftermath of uncertainty, there is a loss of security. That in uncertainty, there is insecurity. Does anybody else feel that way? That in, in seasons of uncertainty is when I feel insecurity. Because the reason why is with the, with the lack of certainty, there's a loss of control. With the lack of certainty, there's a loss of control. And I don't know about you, but when I lack control, I lack confidence. Because I love to be in control. I am most confident when I am in control. Can anybody testify to that? If I can control it, if I can manage it, if I can figure it out, that's when I feel secure. But when seasons of uncertainty come about, it breeds insecurity because control is lost. And that's what I feel in this season. There's so much uncertainty and with it has come so many things that I can't control and I feel that insecurity. And it seems like every week I feel less and less control because more and more things continue to shift. And with uncertainty comes insecurity. And I don't know about you, but for me in my life, insecurity spreads like a wildfire. When insecurity starts in one area of my life, it's, it's like a cup that's just filling up and it spills over into all the other areas of my life. Can anybody understand what I'm saying? In this season of uncertainty, I feel such a loss of security because when I lose control, I lack confidence. And when I lack confidence, I'm not calm. And it feels like from week to week, it's just chaotic. Especially if you're in any position of leadership, if you own a business or if you run an organization or if you're just even trying to make decisions for your family, if you feel secure in all that right now, man, you need to have a conversation after church. And that stuff is just beginning to breed in our lives. And throughout the last several weeks, it's just began to kind of consume me even more. But, but what, if we could, what if we could be secure in any circumstance? What if there was a way to untether security from certainty? What if we could find a way to be secure in every season? Because see, security is not a matter of situation. That the reason why we so often feel insecure in different seasons is because we, we tether our security to the wrong thing. Our security ends up getting connected to situations or circumstance, and the problem is when your security is tethered to the wrong thing, at any moment you can lose it. At any moment, it can be taken from you. And we're in this season right now where, where we, a lot of things that we used to put our security in have been taken away from us. We talked about that just a little bit last week. Even our faith, some of our faith is shaken because we anchored it to a building. Come on, somebody. 
Our faith is unsettled because we anchored its maturity to a certain routine that has now been disrupted and we don't know what to do. But this is what I'm learning. We forfeit security when we misplace identity. We forfeit security when we misplace identity. That insecurity is an identity issue. And we so easily tether our identity to the wrong things. See, wherever your identity lies, it is from that that you will draw confidence. And if that thing is taken or shifts or changes, so with it, your security and your confidence. And calm is an attribute of the confident. And the only way we ever get really long-term sustained confidence is to root our identity in the right place. And that's at the very core of what Paul is trying to teach us in Philippians chapter three. Go there with me, Philippians chapter three. We're gonna start with verse one. Philippians chapter three, pick up with verse one. If you're ready to hear the word of God, say amen to me. Philippians 3, one says, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. It is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those manipulators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by the Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the, the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. So Paul says, hey, you need to be on the watch for a group of people that are gonna try to, try to convince you to do something that I tried. And now let me remind you, Paul is writing this letter from prison. This is probably the most uncertain maybe Paul has ever been in his ministry. You hear the tone all throughout the letter. He's saying, guys, I don't know if I'll ever see you again. I'm in chains for telling people about Jesus and I might not make it out. I'm not certain whether I'm gonna live or whether I'm gonna die. I don't know if I'll ever get to look you in the eye again and celebrate all the beautiful things that the gospel is doing in your community through your church. So before I go, I just wanna share some things with you. I want you to understand some stuff. And he writes with this sense of calm. Paul is living out what we're trying to achieve. He's in that season of uncertainty and you don't see for a second his security waver for a moment. He is calm because he has confidence and he has confidence because he knows where to place it. And he knows that there was a season in his life when it got misplaced. When he had rooted his confidence in this system, in this way of doing life that he had learned his whole life. And he says, there's gonna be a group of people 
that try to tell you that in order for you to feel secure, in order for you to feel confident, even in your relationship with God, there's going to be all these hoops that they want you to jump through. See, he, he doesn't come from rooting his confidence in the world. His whole life, his identity was wrapped up in a religious system. And see, I think that's what we kind of think is that, well, if I can untether myself from the world and tether myself to some religious system is where I find confidence. And even the church has almost made that out to be. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. I've learned that confidence doesn't come through jumping all the hoops of a religious system. I did it. Not only did I do it, I did it better than anybody's ever done it. I jumped through all the hoops. I did all the things. Not only was I circumcised, I was circumcised on the very day that a good little Jewish boy should. And he doesn't even tell the rest of his residents. He doesn't say that he stuttered under Gamaliel, the most renowned teacher of their culture. I mean, he, he had the resume. And he said, there was a season in my life that my identity was in that. And I was living this life so much so that I was determined to stop the movement Jesus started that was convincing other people that they could find identity in something else. He said, I had all the confidence in the world. And so if you think that like you have all the things that are necessary to find security and confidence, I guarantee you my resume is better than yours. Verse seven, but I did it all, I lived it all, I said it all, I walked it all, I did everything that you're supposed to do to find security and confidence, but, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. But I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. See, guys, I had it. I did it all. Everything they're going to tell you that you need to do to feel valuable and worthy and wanted in this culture, I did it all, and I did it better than anybody you've ever known. And then I met Jesus. Then one day, I was walking on this road, headed to this town called Damascus. And all of a sudden, this Jesus that I was determined to ruin showed up. And since that day, everything is different. And what I have learned in living in relationship with him is all the things that I once put my hope, my trust, my confidence, my value in are garbage. That all I once held is now nothing compared to the one who holds me. 
that everything shifted, everything changed, everything's different, and I've given my life to this, and I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to be there to protect you from that religious system creeping back in to convince you there's a better way, but there's not. That what I found in Jesus, I found in nothing and no one else. And what I have in him makes everything I once had seem so meaningless, it's like garbage. That's the best word that I can come up with, it's like garbage. And now my life is spent, verse 10, I just want to know Christ. I wanna know Jesus. He doesn't say, I wanna memorize all the Bible. I wanna know all the rules. I want to spend my life jumping through all. I don't, he doesn't say I want to spend my whole life jumping through a new set of religious system hoops. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. He said, now all that energy... I used to put and trying to keep all the rules and walk all the places and do all the things. I want to spend all that energy in trying to get to know Jesus. And look, can I just remind you? Paul didn't learn about Jesus from the Bible. There wasn't a Bible yet. He's writing what would become the Bible that we have. He says, I want to get to know Jesus. I want, I, want to, I want to find out everything I can about him and who he is and what he's supposed to desire from me. I want, I want to know Jesus, that this change in me, this new identity I have in Christ, is so easy to, to let it slip into just exchanging one religious system for another. He said, I don't want a new religious system. I want a relationship with that man who showed up in my life on that road when I was just walking, doing my thing, and all of a sudden, there he was. And he, I had a personal encounter with him. I didn't read about him. I wasn't even willing to listen to other, what other people said about him. No, I met him face-to-face, -face, real and powerful. And since that day, I've never been the same. And from that moment to this one, I put my confidence in him. My security in him. My identity in him. My hope for the future in him. My model in him. How I treat other people in him. In him, in him. I wanna be found in him. I wanna look like him, I wanna walk like him. I want to live just like him. But then he, he makes a confession. Look at verse 12. Not that I have already attained all this or I've already arrived at my goal. Like, y'all, I'm not there. You know what I think Paul's saying? There are moments when who I used to be comes back. Because remember, Paul, he just said it. He lost everything. All those friends that he would have had were furious 
Because he once stood with people that stood for the ending of the movement of Jesus. And the day he met Jesus, he probably walked away, not only am I going to lose the friends I had, how are these believers that I've been persecuting, that I've been overseeing their death, how are they ever going to want a relationship with me when I've killed their friends? And you don't think there's times when the enemy reminds him of that? He says, not that, I'm, not that I'm there, not that every single day I feel confident and secure and I'm just there. You don't think there were days in prison where, where Paul felt lost and lonely? John the Baptist did. Do you remember that? Go back and read it in Matthew. There's a time when John the Baptist is in prison and he's so broken and so confused, he sends a letter just to ask Jesus, Jesus, are you really the one we're expecting or should we expect somebody else? He has that crisis moment because of the situation. He's in a time of uncertainty and he's beginning to lose his security. So that's probably why we're going through what we're going through as well. That we're in this season of uncertainty. And many of us are feeling a loss of security. And we have to remind ourselves that when we misplace identity, we forfeit security. And like Paul, we have to be reminded. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to take hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And no, I'm not there. I would love to tell you that I have days in this prison and every day I'm singing praises and I'm excited and I'm writing and I'm encouraged, but the reality is there are moments that that old me and who I was and what I've done and I start to think that, that maybe that's who I really am and I start to lose that confidence and that security begins to fade but then what I have to do is I have to forget what was so I can continue to look forward to what will be. It is then and there that I place my hope. And he says in verse 15, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too, God will make clear to you. But only let us live up to what we have already attained. That a key to confidence is being real about who you are and where you are, but most importantly now, whose you are. And that in the aftermath of uncertainty, if you begin to lose security, I have to ask you to consider the source to consider the source. Maybe you're forfeiting security because you're misplacing identity. And it's so easy to do, isn't it? Because all these people around you and all that's happening in your life, it can so easily cause you to just revert back to what was. And if you've, you've never met Jesus, you'll, and you, you don't have an identity. Your identity is when you meet Jesus. That's when you really begin to understand who you are. To begin to calculate your value and your worth in the, God, in the eyes of the God who created you. And the problem is, until you let God give you an identity, you'll continue to allow the world to give you a label. 
And some of us, we settle for a label when God's offered an identity. And next thing you know, we go, we go through life and things happen. And, you know, some of us are being defined by what's been done to us. And that's become our identity. That there are people in the room that you have wounds. You've gone through really difficult, challenging things. And this is what you see when you look in the mirror. You've been abused and you've been through something painful and your identity is wrapped up in what's been done to you. We often can let our identity be wrapped up in what's been done to me. Or there's some of us, we go through life and and there's so much that we struggle with and we feel like we're never gonna be free from. It's not just what's been done to me, it's what's been done by me. And this is who we become. When I look in the mirror, all I see is my failure. All I see is the temptation. I can't seem to shake. When I can't shake the temptation, all I experience is frustration and I really don't know how to respond. And then there's mistake after mistake. Things that we've tried and things that have gone wrong. But you know what I've also discovered? It may be more difficult to overcome our success than to recover from our failure. Can I say that again? Because I think it's really good. Sometimes it's harder for some of us to overcome our success than recover from our failure. That was Paul's challenge. Paul, was, Paul didn't have to recover from failure. He was trying to overcome success. Misdefined. He had to over, his whole life, everybody told Paul, Paul, you're so great. You're, you're a Hebrew of Hebrew. You're from that tribe of Benjamin. You've done it all right. You've done it all well. And now you're even a champion of Judaism and God's gonna reward you. And people have celebrated him. Sometimes it's harder to overcome our success than recover from our failure. But see, here's the tricky thing. Not all the labels that life tries to slap on us are bad. I'm grateful for this one. My whole life, I've been Tommy and Joanne Smith's son. And I'm proud of that because my parents are awesome. My whole life, Tommy and Joanne Smith's son, you're going to be a preacher just like your daddy. And as much as I, as much as I love that label, for my identity, it's not reliable. I love this one because my wife's awesome and smoking hot. <laughs> see, now, see, sometimes we think the only labels that we have to overcome are the negative ones. But so often we find our identity, we, we can ignore all these and say, well, this is who I am. But sometimes what happens if it gets taken away? Maybe, we, maybe this leads to the removal of this and now not only do we have this, we've lost this and what do we do? Am I making sense? I'm running out of room. I need to get bigger. 
This is one that all of us are celebrating today. Father, I'm so proud of my children. Although I'm weirded out that my son is only 12 and has a bigger foot and is almost looking me in the eye. But when, when our identity is rooted in these things, we have to realize no matter how good the label, it's unreliable. And it's not that these aren't a part of us. And Paul's saying, you know, when you put your confidence in the wrong place, you'll feel chaotic instead of calm. And when uncertainty comes, insecurity will follow. And the only way to avoid that is to eventually realize that, yeah, these labels are good. These labels are honorable. These labels are a part of who you are. But when you met Jesus, even these negative ones are overcomable. That you can experience something different and fresh. And when you finally, finally meet Jesus, you get the one label that gives you everything you need. He says, Jesus come that we may have the right to become children of God. And when you become a child of God, you overcome the victim, the addict, the failure, and you become a better son and husband and father. That this is where your identity lies. And when you meet Jesus and put your trust in him, the Bible's very clear about what happens 2 Corinthians 5. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God that Jesus did everything necessary so that you didn't have to settle for a label, but you could find an identity. That in him, you find meaning, you find purpose, you find all the things that you're looking for. And when you misplace your identity, when you let your identity to be tethered to one of these labels, no matter how good it is, no matter how fulfilling it may seem at the moment, Eventually, it will fail you. But when you see your brokenness, when you understand your sin, when you see that something's missing and recognize that that thing can only be filled through a relationship with God that comes through Jesus Christ, when you acknowledge what Jesus has done for you on the cross, it takes away that thing that has separated you from your heavenly father and allows you to become a forgiven, free child of the most high God. And when you look in the mirror, that's what you get to see.
that in him and only in him will we ever find security and confidence to have calm in this chaotic world. So you bow your heads and close your eyes with me. First of all, if you're in here and you have never have accepted Jesus, there's a reason why you feel that insecurity. And maybe you don't feel it right now. Maybe you feel calm and confident because you're making enough money and everything seems to be good and you don't think you need Jesus. But everything that you're putting trust in, Jesus would say, is building on a foundation of sand and eventually has the potential to be washed away. And today's the day where you confess your need for God you acknowledge what Jesus has done for you on the cross. You don't have to regurgitate a prayer. You just need to acknowledge it in your heart and speak it before him and he will take up residence in your heart. Or maybe you're here and as a believer in these uncertain times, you've retreated to the wrong thing for security and it is failing you. And today is the day that you run to the Father, that you come back to him and realize that in him and only him do you find the security that you need to make it through the aftermath. Father, speak in this room, Lord. Change lives, open hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope that what you experience today inspires you to live and love like Jesus. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage and grow deeper in your faith by downloading the Vintage Church app. Through this app, you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, additional podcasts, and discover ways to connect in community. You can easily download our app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. We hope you join us again soon.